to Books in the Middle, a podcast just for middle school books. Have you ever heard of the Little Rock Nine? If you haven't, you need to. Let me introduce you to someone named Melba. Melba was 15 years old when she was chosen to be one of the Little Rock Nine students at Integrated Little Rock Central High in 1957. So how did all this come about, and why was this a big deal? In 1954, there was a Supreme Court case that was called Brown versus the Board of Education, Topeka, Kansas. And in it, the Supreme Court came to the decision that to have segregated schools was actually unconstitutional. Now, prior to this, there had been a case in 1896 called Plessy versus Ferguson. In that case, the Supreme Court had decided that as long as races were separated equally, that was fine. But what was proven in the 1954 case was the idea that separate but equal is inherently unequal. Because after all, if you're saying that one race of people can't be with another, you're basically implying that one race is inferior to the other or needs to be separated for some reason. This was a huge landmark case because in the South, segregated schools were the norm. In fact, they were the law. Now, this is not to say that there were not segregated schools in the North, because there were. Even up through the 1980s, 1990s, there are still a lot of schools, especially urban schools, that are incredibly segregated. However, as mentioned, in the South, this was considered the law. It was illegal for a black child to go to school with white children. That's why it was such a big deal that nine black students were chosen to integrate Little Rock Central High in Arkansas in 1957. And, as I mentioned, Melba was one of these children. Melba did not see herself as doing anything incredibly special, but she realized very quickly when she and eight of the other students tried to go to school on that very first day, they were met with a mob and turned away. When they finally were able to get into school a little while later, they ended up being pulled out of class and sent down to the principal's office where Melba overheard an incredibly disturbing conversation where one of the administrators was basically saying, I think we need to let the mob have one of the students. Melba realized, of course, that they were saying they were willing to possibly sacrifice one of the lives of the black students just to get the others out of the school. Luckily, this did not come to pass. However, with Governor Faubus of Arkansas, a staunch segregationist, going up against President Eisenhower, who was trying very hard to enforce the law of the land, as per the Supreme Court order, it was a very difficult situation. Finally, Eisenhower came to the decision that Faubus would be absolutely no help in enforcing this new rule. So he ended up sending out the 101st Airborne Division. That's right, he called out the army to get these nine black students into school. Literally, the school was ringed with soldiers with guns to get these kids into school. And Melba was actually assigned a guard to walk with her in the hallways. His name was Danny, and very quickly, Melba came to count on him immensely for her protection. However, because she was a girl, Danny was not allowed to go with her into places like the girls' locker room. He was not allowed to come with her out onto the gym, or he was also not allowed to go into the stands when they had an assembly. He was not allowed to basically physically touch any of the other white students. However, he was there 
pretty much to keep Melba alive. Near the end of the day, I was walking down a dimly lit hallway with Danny following when I spotted a boy coming directly toward me on a collision course. I tried to move aside, but he moved with me. I didn't even have time to call for help. The boy flashed a shiny black object in my face. The sudden pain in my eyes was so intense, so sharp, I thought I'd die. It was like nothing I'd ever felt before. I couldn't hear or see or feel anything except that throbbing, searing fire centered in my eyes. I heard myself cry out as I let go of everything to clutch at my face. Someone grabbed me by my ponytail and pulled me along very fast, so fast I didn't have time to resist. The pain of being dragged along by my hair was almost as intense as that in my eyes. Hands grabbed my wrists and pried my hands from my face, compelling me to bend over. Then cold, cold liquid was splashed in my eyes. The water felt so good. The pain was subsiding. Easy, girl, easy. You're going to be fine. It was Danny's voice, his hands holding my head and dousing my eyes with water. I can't see, I whispered. I can't see. Hold on, you will. Over and over again, the cold water flooded my face. Some of it went into my nose and down the throat of my blouse. Bit by bit, I could see the sleeve of Danny's uniform, see the water, see the floor beneath us. The awful pain in my eyes had turned into a bearable sting. My eyes felt dry, as though there were a film drawn tight over them. What was that? I don't know, Danny said. Maybe some kind of alkaline or acid. The few drops that got on your blouse faded the color immediately. Hey, let's get you to the office so we can report this. You gotta get to a doctor. Melba learned later that if Danny had not acted as soon as he did, it was very possible she would have been permanently blind from what the boy threw in her eyes. Imagine, then, what Melba and the other eight students must have been feeling when eventually their guards were taken away and they had to face a school each day knowing that there were students within who literally wanted them to die. This is an amazing true story about the courage of nine black students in an effort to change our country's history. Warriors Don't Cry by Melba Patillo Beals.